This is your last chance. After this, there is no turning back. You take the blue pill, the story ends. You wake up in your bed and believe whatever you want to believe. You take the red pill, you stay in Wonderland, and I show you how deep the rabbit hole goes. Deeper down the rabbit hole, I'm here with my co-host in person in the great moose land, Zach Louie, and my other co-host, no, not in the moose land, Jason Cowell. Welcome, guys. Welcome, everyone listening. If you're just coming on the show, thanks. If you're listening in podcast, thanks. So we have a few things that we're going to talk about today real fast. First, we're going to start this as we're considering the season four. We're going to do a whole experiment. Minus what we're going to do next weekend, or the next show, because, well, it's Trekkede, and we're Voodoo Assants, so we're going to call the dead the next show. Yep. It's just, just, we have to do it. We, there's no other way, right, Jason? It'll be fun. We promise. So we'll be doing the ancestor stuff. The whole show will be about ancestors and practical necromancy, which is totally different what people think than the crazy Hollywood necromancy and just, I don't know, you know what happens. It isn't like that. It's just like most magic. You know, Hollywood presents it as a uh, leviosa or demons falling out of the sky. And most of the time, you're just sitting there staring at a mirror. But well, we don't have to carve sigils into dead bodies and hide them in the wall. What did this become, Sabrina? Is but, this what you do in your house, Jason? Is there something I should know about? It was. I think it was like one of the Conjuring movies. They found a bunch of corpses in the wall with sigils because the, the person who lived there previous to them was a necromancer. That's not even part of Conjure. I mean, I guess that could be part of necromancy in certain flavors, but what's the point? That's so that's such a pain in the ass. It is. I mean, there's so many better ways of carving stuff into dead bodies and stuff it in your walls. Plus the smell. It's just not practical. Mm-hmm. Jeez. Where does Hollywood come up with this stuff? I mean, actual rituals are subjectively scary enough sometimes. I mean, geez, right? <laughs> <laughs> like What's next? Like, I don't know. Next, they'll be like saying like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know, summoning Satan, the scariest thing you can do. Nope. 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 It's always yourself that's scary. Never these external entities anyway. But besides all that, we're going to actually do a whole series on planetary magics, starting with the four elements that are classically thought in Western ceremonial magic to be part of Earth. Earth is not Earth. Earth is fire, air, water, fire. So we're going to do each one. And I've shown each one, and then we're going to do each planetary sphere loosely tied to the Kabbalah and then past the Kabbalah. So you got Uranus and the planet formerly known as Pluto, both which can have magical effects. We will be willing to talk some about astrology, but I won't. But if they, these two want to, I'll, I'll just get them nod my head. I'm, I'm in the Peter Carroll school of thought on astrology. I think all of us are, actually. Look, my uh, group. My girl makes that astrology stuff real scary. And I, sh- I keep telling her, hush, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to know about it. I don't want it in my paradigm. Yeah, the paradigm is, let's call some angels to fix some shit. 
you know, if astrology actually was totally real, I would do everything in my power to break it because it would be thus I would be breaking fate and then moving past the limits of fate. I would see that as my primary magical operation. If astrology is not real, it's a meta belief that constrains you. Either way, this sounds like a bad paradigm to have in your mentality. Mm -hmm. Either you're working against fate all the time, or you're working against the idea that you're putting limits on your stuff. I'm just not a fan. I know it's sometimes sort of right, especially for people who believe it, but Christians get good magical results because they believe in Christ. So that's where I'm at with it. I mean, nothing is true and everything is permitted, right? Hands on cast magic. It's behind me. I wrote it. I might have taken an oath that says there's maybe no ultimate truth. But in actuality, ceremonial magic is one thing that most of people who are in the West, they, well, maybe not now. I mean, now people can just curse the Fae, right? On Instagram. And the moon. And the moon. But I mean, back in the day when we started, let's face facts, like it was the Necromonicon and ceremonial magic. That's what you got. And most books, and most people I know who are probably similar ages have at least some grounding with ceremony and magic. And we decided to do an experimental series. Like, so we're going to call it a whole season that we're basically going to do everything. And then every single second part of the show, which is for sponsors, we are actually going to do a, an angelic or intelligence ritual for that planet. Some mm-hmm. planets do not have angels, though. Once you get to Pluto, a little bit harder to see who the angels are because those are planets more shrouded in darkness. So there's a, a little bit of talk about that. Neptune, Uranus, Pluto, those are a little tougher. Those will be at the end. And we're going to go do this this whole series of workings with all of the people who are sponsors to make a radical change in our lives as via the show. So we're not going to just do the show. We're the sponsors too. And what we're talking about all part of greater magical ritual to make the kind of changes in our lives that we want to make, you know, a more meaningful, magical show. Oh, yeah. I mean, I would view this as it's direct in chaos magic fashion, half-working. Yeah, except, you know, I mean, we're chaos magicians per se, but maybe not. You know, I tend to have a little bit more structure in my rituals than, than what I see on the internet, right? You know what it is? I'm a snob. This is what it is. I'm a total snob. That means you're right in the ceremonial current. Oh, send hate mail to him. Send hate mail to him. Oh, wow. He said that right out loud. No, I'm a snob. I'm a snob about aesthetics. I know I don't need that. Although that was the thing that blew up on Facebook, too, was this aesthetic thing, how you don't need them. Eh, you know, maybe you do, but not as much as people think for different reasons. Just to get your artistic blood flowing when you're doing ritual. It's powerful. Oh, absolutely it is. You know, as opposed to, sure, we could do ritual outside on the bench at this point. It's not very artistic. It's not getting your whole, everything you got into that ritual. It's just kind of like, hmm, yeah, I'm selling Mercury while I'm sitting on bench. Cool. Well, I think it goes to, again, the efficiency question versus are you trying to do a greater working for yourself? If we're doing the rituals full on artistically, that that's everything in it. And you're expecting maybe a bigger change. But wouldn't that be more efficient then by that definition, Zach? Because at that point, you would be getting a much bigger change for greater effort. But in relation to the chain, the effort was more efficient, even though you're using aesthetics. Oh, absolutely. I think where my headset was strategy versus tactics. There are times where tactically, it's more efficient just to pull something out of your ass right there. Oh, yeah. That's that. Yeah. I mean, that doesn't mean I'm going to go get lion skin anytime soon. Yeah, no. But, you know, I, no, no, not, not the lion skin, but I agree with you. I think the aesthetics have a lot more to do with putting you in the right mindset. 
And I think there's times when you might be vibing in the exact right mindset and you don't need any aesthetics, but let's be honest, most of us aren't vibing in the right vibe most of the time. We have to do things to put ourselves there. See, this is the thing. The argument was, if you, like, listen, I, you know, people don't know I'm, I'm part of the IOT, right? Lots of people know that still, even though like, maybe I'm a wayward son black child at this point, you know, black sheep child here, but still, technically, you know, I am. I'm also technically part of the OTA, which is Punk Runyon's order, mm-hmm. and they do really beautiful rituals where the rituals themselves are beautiful, but don't necessarily carry the kind of currents when I do the ceremonial magic, right? So you have a, a lot of ceremonial magic has a lot of art and pageantry, but it doesn't actually carry as much juice as it should. And there's structures within the ceremonial magic, I think that in some ways uh, make it harder to, in Peter Carroll's terms, get into gnosis, but maybe in, in a Chinese medical and energy system way to kind of think about it, it doesn't let you actually push your intention into the ritual fully because the ceremonial magic stuff gets in the way of itself. I mean, for me, ritual magic and especially Western ceremonial magic, often the standard rote way of doing this is basically like you have a whole bunch of Hebrew or maybe some Aramaic, maybe some Latin that most people barely understand. Okay. Then they spend all this time memorizing it. And when they get to do their lines, they fumble over the lines and they get beat themselves up because they're fumbling over the lines, but because it's so complicated. And then they have this long two page uh, poetic evocation or invocation of whatever they're calling forward. And it's not from the heart at all, right? When they try to do it professionally acting, is professionally acting. You have to practice that skill. We've done rituals like that. We did the raw ritual. We practiced that at convocation like 30 times before we did it. It was beautiful. And we built a framework to actually hold the energy. But most of the time when you're doing the ceremony of magic, like people are coming up with these two page, and there's a lot of authors who do this. And some of them are friends. And I just don't get it. If you are unable, if you're speaking the words out loud and you haven't practiced them a million times, how are you going to hold the energy? How are you going to hold the intention at the level you need to? It's just not possible. And it's, it's often better if you can get in the vibe and actually express that vibe in the moment, even if it's an angel, right? You know what the angel's about ahead of time and you're in the vibe and you're really speaking for this angel and it's truly authentically nearly channeled, that's going to be a much more powerful ceremonial oration than a page that you wrote down and you can't really remember because you're trying to move energies around at the point of remembering the page gets in the way of actually getting the vibe you're already in trouble in the ritual like this is this is why like i think chaos magicians were like let's do this the most minimally we just need the name and nothing else and then what happens is that's true that you, you're throwing the baby out with the bathwater a lot of times like because you know it's true you can do those minimal rituals but then it's likewise the opposite of this is this huge pageantry that just like i said you can't even keep track of stuff you all barely can keep track of the lines that's stage one is to keep track of the lines you can't then be able to keep track of the lines and go into the magic unless you have the lines down to the point you're like at a professional actor level i really believe that prove me wrong where's my sunglasses <laughs> I did have them on the desk. Yeah, I'm not here now. We just seem to do enough ceremony magic to know, right? This is right, isn't it? Oh, yeah. The more the more you're into it, the better, right? Now, I think some people have argued that you can't ever use notes, but I say you can use notes, but you have to really throw yourself into it. Notes just make it easier not to forget things during the ritual, right? If you have to read those notes in any reasonable fashion, by definition of brain, how your brain works, you're pulling yourself out of gnosis. Okay. If they are not like just a couple words, 
Like you are pulling yourself out of trance because the visual, the verbal constructs of the brain operate on a higher order than the levels that you get to when you're in trance. Like they simply, your subconscious mind just does not understand language very well. And if you can understand language well, you're not in the right state to do effective magic. This is why when we did that raw set ritual, which we should redo, that was a fun ritual, actually. When we did that, we kept going over the verbiage because we had to memorize the verbiage so that way it was deep enough that we could actually not have to go think about what the words mean. And even then, I guarantee you, like, you did not speak the words exactly what was on the page. I know that for a fact. Oh, it's probably never exact because, well, how are you going to be exact when you are going into an altered state? This is my point. The easier thing is just to have cliff notes and actually be able to improvise what the spirit would say, what you should say in line with the spirit in alteration. Like, you can do some great oration, you know, but you just need main points in your head. Like, well, okay, if we're talking about, well, we're going to talk about some of the stories. We're going to the Samuel ritual, we did a convocation, right? Not very much memorized, but it was still effective oration on what the intelligent, the planetary angel of Mars actually does. Well, you did the oration, and then it's not even aesthetics at that point. Like the things you did to build up the trance, like you had really clothespins stuck to your skin, and you really tucked it. Well, okay, so that's definitely not in classical ceremonial right. magic books. But it fits with the Mars correspondence. It definitely does, right? Pain and... Chili peppers, chili peppers are definitely, definitely, definitely hot, which is Mars, and it fit with all the correspondences, like wars, pain kind of thing, and, you know. Yeah. But I think you guys remember more of that ritual than I do. Oh, you, you were, I mean, that was a scary ritual. It was for, for the majority of people that weren't there, he had the peppers in his mouth and the clothespins pinching his skin to drive himself deeper into a pain-induced gnosis. Yeah. Which is actually, that's a good example of a shortcut for a martial energy, right? So this is kind of like what we're getting at in some of the stories. And we have to say some things about that ritual, because that ritual was doubly scary, because I did that shit at 8 o'clock in the morning or some crazy oh, shit. yeah, it was like 8 a.m. or like, so he was like, all of us were pissed. All of us were pissed at 8 a.m. ritual. So that already added fuel to the ritual on top of Mars' anger and correspondences. Everything yeah. was unlocked. Now, going back to the scary piece, it was scary because when Samuel came down, it was dead calm. Where I was, yeah. Yeah. You guys weren't, you guys were like frenzied. Yeah. But I became calm. At first, like, I was so calm. I pretty much don't remember much after that, but I was so calm that I didn't, I thought the ritual failed. And they're like, uh, dude, we were about to call the safe word of possession here. Mm-hmm. Like, because uh, you almost got possessed by an angel of Mars who destroys enemies and all those other kinds of stuff. Yeah, we were all looking at each other because we're doing the watch for safety. And we're like, do we call those safe? He's on that line. We don't know. Yeah, it was a pretty good times. Pretty good times. The thing is, I think everyone got results from that ritual too. So it's oh. not just like that. It was actually a pretty effective Yeah. Uh, I mean, it wasn't you think people were. Remember, you're being like, people were having responses right away to it, like within a few hours, even, and we're getting the feedback. Yep, yep. I mean, there was a lot in that ritual that was classic ceremonial magic. You know, I called in the planets, I did the lesser advantage ritual pentagram. We did that, but then when we called the angel, there was the pain gnosis, which is not classical ceremonial magic, but perfectly corresponded to Mars, in my opinion. And the red peppers also classically corresponded to Mars perfectly. 
to put that on your tongue. That's just using more body sensational energies in, within a ceremonial magic kind of ideology than than just incense. We did have incense too. Which yeah, we had incense that we red pepper incense, which is basically like tear gas. Uh, with strong smell. Now we did this in a hotel. We did this in a hotel. We didn't use a flame for this, actually. Yeah, we did. We had one candle. Did we we actually have a candle. Yeah. yeah, we used lights. We did use lights too. Yeah, we used uh, LED lights. I think one of the most memorable pieces of that story was we did use the whiteboard for the sigil. Oh yeah, we did use the whiteboard in the room uh, to draw the sigil for Samuel, so that way people could actually concentrate on it. Yes, and draw it over the top of a person. So this is not all classic ceremonial magic, but it was well within the framework of what is possible if you bend the rules just a little bit. And I felt like that was a very effective, very, very effective kind of uh, ceremony. This is why kind of we said we're going to take this approach to planetary, greater planetary workings with all of us with a slightly uh, chaotic thing. So uh, one thing I do want to say, too, if you're a listener, a longtime listener, thank you, first. Second of all, if you're an author or presenter, you'd like to take a planetary or you did planetary work on one planet. We've asked some people, so tentatively, Jason Miller said he would do Jupiter, which is like his thing, a few others. But here's the thing. If you're an author and you want to come on the show, we're okay with that. But you literally have to be able to hang with three magicians who would either drink coffee or go get a beer with Mm -hmm. and talk this shit about magic. I mean... Overly pretentious people need not apply. Absolutely. And there's plenty of things for uh, listeners. You have authors that you know that you want on that can chill with us and have a coffee. Yeah, you know us well enough to actually go and see if they can chill. They have to be able to chill. Like, yeah. It's not just a sales pitch. We're going to have a conversation about actual magic. Actually, how screwed up things got in certain magical rituals. Right. So, I mean, push on them too. Say, like, hey, check out Deeper Dad. It'd be cool for this. Yeah. My email address is andreavinimus at gmail.com. Just have them email me. We're happy to have them. Well, we got some other things. Maybe little Dorothy will come back on the show. She just wrote a water book, so that's perfectly natural. Obviously, because I'm still writing a fire magic book, I will cover the fire element. See, that's been like five years. It's time to build a fire, man. It's all good. Thanks, man. That was a great save. But the book's got good stuff, man. Good stuff takes time and effort, right? A good book that never gets finished is not a book. It's private notes, dude. <laughs> private notes in private collection yeah yeah so i mean we were talking pre-show about this however jason why don't you immerse us in one of your stories around like what you've done with angels and or maybe the other side wait how about if you get you you get the hate mail for your interpretation of lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram what you've done with it i have used the lesser banishing ritual of the pentagram in actual martial magic as in a defense an energetic defense against direct attacks whether they be energetic attacks or at times astral spirit attacks where i've woken up from nightmares of direct spirit attack i use it as a complete banishing of myself and my environment i can clear an entire house with it i'm not afraid to say that now i think that a lot of people would argue that it's just meant to be some kind of self-focusing ritual before and after a ritual, and it, it can't really clear a space. I think that it takes the right amount of focus, and I think maybe a lot of ceremonial magicians don't have that kind of focus, but after years of practice, I think that people try to argue with me you can't do, but I've, I've yielded the results. Oh, oh. keeping it real. Burn, burn, don't leave it 
Okay, I'll put it to you this way. The people that have like tried to openly fight with me about it, I'm just like, if you want to fight with me about it, that means you can't do it and you're mad at me. Ooh, ooh, and I thought you needed coffee tonight. You're on fire, Jason. Man. I mean, I think the lesser banished ritual pentagram originally is supposed to be bringing your own energy in and cleaning it out. But you're certainly projecting outward from there. Usually you use different ceremonial magic banishings like the greater ritual or the hexagram to banish external forces, stuff like that. But this is where if you bend the rules a little, you use things slightly different. Now, people would say you might be a chaos magician when you do that, Jason. Well, I don't live in my mom's basement. And, oh. and now I ain't on. Hang on. I can do a lot of things that don't require whacking off on top of sigil. Now, the reason I bring these things up, guys, is because there's a lot of people that are ashamed of the Chaos Magic moniker because they think that's all Chaos Magicians want to do. We know better, don't we? I'm just in stock. (laughs) Dropping the bombs. I mean... I think we've had lots of interesting ceremonial met. I, I think one of the first rituals where I met you, I ripped people's hearts out with Tommy. Oh, yeah. So this was way back in the day in Hamilton, uh, Canada, specifically Ontario. Yeah, it's and Toronto. This was Hamilton rituals, listeners, props, props, Hamilton. Okay. So this is, I think it was the second time I met you up here when you were doing a Reiki and Hanio ritual. And he was ripping, he, we literally did a harmonic ritual with this, where each of us was breaking up the syllables of the name, and he was getting invoked with the angel Hanio Venus to report, uh, repair people's heart chakras. Now, that was a cry fest for everyone there. Yeah, it was. Yeah, that was a cry fest. That was a cry fest. Interesting enough, we were talking about Hanyo a little with the self-compassion thing. I mean, Jason, like every time we were doing Venus work, you become more of an asshole. Did you do Venus work this week? Just kidding. <laughs> no, no, not this week. No, not this week. We did do Guan Yin work last week. Uh, two weeks ago, right? Yes. You had that experience too, where anytime we you kind of fix heart chakra issues type things with Venusian energy, you would set much stronger boundaries. Well, I'm pretty sure i mean i don't want to bore the audience i think we did talk about this two weeks ago but yes yes that you set better boundaries because true changing self-compassion involves change if you if you're more compassionate toward yourself you're going to set better boundaries and not let people walk all over you but i think we did we we broached that two weeks ago i know we did well, that's just an example of Venusian energy used a slightly different way than what people think. Usually people think Venusian energy, what do you use it for? Romance, mm-hmm. right? And I think this is, I mean, we're talking Venusian energy in particular. The flip side is I remember I did a public uh, Raphael ritual, but I didn't use the planet, uh, but the equivalency would be the Sephiroth, right? So Sephiroth would be like art energies, emotional energies, but it's not Venus. But people are still getting very emotional effects. It just went in a very different way, though, because I was working with the Sephiroth, not the planet. I mean, it was, I was doing an invocation of Raphael. It was pretty much, Raphael was touching healing people's shoulders, and people were just bawling left, right, and center on that. We had some Christians come over, like, oh, shit, angels are fucking real after that. They were literally part of their paradigm. Yes, so, uh... but it's one thing to conceptually, I guess the word, would be to know in faith versus the reality. I'm sorry, I was raised as Eastern Orthodox Catholic. We believe in angels and, and 
demons and stuff like that. Apparently, other yeah. Christians are just kind of, you know, pretty words, I guess so. But there you go. Anyway, I mean, there's a lot that we can even talk about in ceremonial magic. I mean, even practical perfection work. And I think I will throw Michael around a fair amount. Oh, yeah. I usually get pretty good results. I mean, well, I mean, it's not pretty good results, dude. I mean, what was the one result of the micro ritual that you're not telling the audience? Uh, someone else could tell it. So I don't look like I'm insane. Okay, why don't you give it a story real call, Jason? What does Michael work for one time? Are you referencing the fiery wall of protection? Yes. Well, I was going on a trip with Andrea one weekend to another state, and there was someone who was very unhappy with him in that state at the time. Probably would have tried to have interfered with any kind of business dealings we were doing that weekend if they got wind of it. We did a little bit of protection work, and this whole ceremonial framed uh, Michael ritual for a fiery wall protection to protect us on our voyage to and from this other state. Well, the same weekend that we entered the state to do business there, the person that may have caused us problems, had they been not occupied that weekend, had their house catch on fire. Fiery wall, fiery house. But let me be specific. I mean, there was no intention put into that spell other than anyone who would mean us harm. Yeah, and I think this is just a really good segue where it's like, what you might intend still uh, is not what the angels intend. Yeah, that's that's kind of like, that's one of the things. I don't know, I mean, when you ask demons for stuff in the Goetia, they just do whatever you ask, generally speaking. Not always, but more often than not, unless, unless there's a real issue, they're going to be like, yes, okay, sure, whatever. Angels will kind of look at the greater picture. I mean, your Raphael work, you, you had experienced that. Oh, yeah. It's so coincidental that it clearly was the angel, but there was a, not necessarily the message you wanted. Yeah, no, it was nowhere near close to where I was aiming for, but in the greater picture, it was actually the most merciful thing. So at the back, it was, I had to do healing work for someone's animal who was severely ill with cancer. Owner once said, animal to live a little longer, uh, just because, you know, if you can let your animal live longer, why wouldn't you? So uh, did the ritual, unfortunately, or fortunately for the animal, in the most merciful way, Raphael basically had that animal die within 30 minutes, right? Now, I was going for healing of the animal. Healing could go both ways, though, in this context, especially with Raphael possibly being a psychopomp, too, with those fanties. You know, but there was another part to that story that actually convinced you that this was all Raphael's doing. Right. And then right after that, buddy, I knew this was almost in the grace period because within a few hours, someone reached out and said, hey, I'd like to actually talk to you about the same thing specifically for Qigong. That's what cat died of. Right. It literally was digestive issues. And then this other person was saying, no, I actually want to talk to you about these positive effects of digestive viewpoints for Qigong. And that was only a few hours time span, which it, it was completely... Yeah, it convinced me right there that it was I, that was the right thing to do. Yeah, I mean, and I mean, I think although it took a little longer, I mean, we used the seven planetary archangels to do a lot of healing work from abuse in a practical way, and saw so basically, you know, uh, my stepchild be able to get back to school from after being abused. I mean, that was pre-COVID, obviously. I mean, 
Sure, it didn't take uh, five minutes, but clearly it was the angel results. And it was the angel result in every step of the way that made it clear. That's major trauma, mm -hmm. not necessarily major trauma. I don't want to say it like overnight healing, but you know, major trauma, like major abuse issues that just occur like this, they're sometimes for some people, they don't heal, right? Like at all. So that's major improvement that we were seeing with the angel works. I think in a modified version of the hexagram ritual on national television, I did a house exorcism with the angels. Yeah, I mean, that's that pretty was, cool, right? That was completely but bluntly fucked up, wasn't it? All right. I mean, it was on Supernatural Investigator. I probably could have done less than I did and got away with it. They wanted a certain things. I mean, people who saw that ritual even taped, they're like, yeah, this wasn't fake, actually. No, like, <laughs> they literally said that I like, remember, like, uh, it's an I watch this, here's what I came out to do. And we were like, they literally said, we only call chaos magicians when the most screwed up things happen. And Andrea Vitimus, he, he cleared this house. Actually, Undeniably. I, I watched that show. And every other job that they had on Supernatural Investigator, people were like, uh, yeah, it's not really better, right? I remember the woman ending that show, which was saying, yeah, I couldn't sleep in that house before. It's fine. I love it now. It's, I'm going to sleep. I, I've been sleeping there a few days, no problems. I thought, not just a television actor, real magician. Right there. I mean... Yeah, well, it sounds better on TV, though. Oh, it totally does. <laughs> when you say you're a real magician, then... Dude, you know what pisses me off about that whole event? The fact that they only referred to you as the chaos magician. That was good. Could have been good promotional material. Welcome to television. Actually, when I did the Canadian television show, which if there's anyone listening who does Canadian television, give me 500 bucks, I'll give you the best ritual you ever saw on television. Yeah. Seriously. That. Seriously. We'll put it together. Well, you'll be you'll be happy. Yeah, and I mean, just kind of go ahead, Jason. You just said for five hundred. That's all I need. Yeah, I want to get paid more than that, but I mean, in supplies. Okay, five hundred in supplies. I was gonna say because I'm not leaving the house for less than a thousand. You're not leaving the house to go to Canada at all because it's a COVID. <laughs> I mean, hell, nobody should leave the house for nothing at this point in time. Weird and much. Uh, I mean, this is where, you know, we've given you guys different experiences of angels and they're not thinking the way we would conceptually think. Like, we might have a small viewpoint, but they're thinking the greater picture was actually the best, greater good. I guess that's the best way I would put it. Sometimes. I mean, I think they're a little bit more... Angels are interesting, and even planetary forces. They're interesting because I think, first, both people either want to go two directions at the same same time and i think both directions are just ideas one direction is they're just kind of either just parts of your head and they're just vibrations another is that they're they're fully personalities and it usually works out that they act like personalities but i found that you can get the even better results if you can kind of switch the meta idea between are they a vibration or live wire to certain things or are they a personality depending on what the situation is it's tough to be able to switch that but they can act a lot of times as either in practice yeah and i mean in my own experience it, yeah they, they do go back and forth on that yeah and if you can apply kind of the best you know there's probably more nuance to this but if you can apply like kind of the best uh, almost meta approach you can get better results depending on what the situation is planetary intelligence is you know, for a while, I tried to get work with them for a lot of years and depersonalize them. They don't have personalities in the 
Agrippa. So this is very easy to just treat them as live wires. But if you go on the minute you go on the internet, people instantly personify them. And I actually found that actually with the planetary intelligences seems to reduce how much you can actually connect to the live wire where the personality starts getting in the way that you apply because it's like limiting it's easier to like evoke when you have a personality, but it limits the amount of information expression you can have since the personality starts to almost put limits on the energy because it's like an expectation effect on how the planetary vibes should work. And if you can hold that raw vibe without personifying it, I saw that was that works better. Now with the angels, sometimes I feel like that opposite might be true since they're even higher on the spectrum of heavenly hosts that it seems like those types of planetary, those types of archangels or planetaries are a little easier, easier to personify. And then they actually sort of work a little better since it's a little hard to conceptualize something that's outside of even this sphere of existence, which technically speaking, the angels are in the angelic realm and they have like nine eyes. And we all, we always call forward stuff that has like Victorian sensibilities. Come on, Jason, you want to say something there, right? Well, you know, I, I can't really say anything smart ass about that. I think it's a lot easier to, uh, personify an angel and and make it seem like an american male or sometimes a female maybe but yeah it's it's easier than working with the fiery wheel of nine eyes as you put it oh absolutely and i mean even like i won't say the language gets in the way but culturally you got the aramaic you got the hebrew then you got latin so it even depends on source code uh, which way it goes because i know jason you, you used to pick fights on that with the aramaic with people why would i pick fights about aramaic i don't understand it no but i thought you were specifically like looking at the etymology there back in the day oh the whole idea of if you go back to the original greek and hebrew of like the old testament and the new testament oh those scriptures are saying stuff that nobody's preaching these days. You look at it in context, and it's just stupid. There you go. We also had, like, also weird physical manifestations a few times when we were doing angel works, which usually uh, people say that doesn't happen too often. Well, it's more commonly reported with demons, but we were able to actually paranormally investigate angel work. Again, with Haniel was one that we did and had massive physical temperature changes. What else did we have? We had pressure changes, I think you measured, different parts of the room. Um, electromagnetic field changes, severe temperature changes. Severe temperature changes on the altar that were severely fluctuating apart from us who were about six feet away because I had a control thermometer as well in the middle of the room where we were. Yeah, I mean, even auditory ones happened too. I remember, I forget which, I think it was the Michael one we did way back in the day publicly. People across the board kept saying they heard trumpets in the music. And, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And there was no trumpets whatsoever. Even people outside the room were like, there's trumpets. That, that was another public ritual that we got invited to on Good Archangel Michael, and people heard trumpets. There was no trumpets in the room, and yeah. everyone reported similar auditory hallucinations. Right, and that was inside and outside the space. Yeah, yeah. There were a, a bunch of us doing a Hanio ritual years ago at your place, Andrea, where we all heard, like, harp music. We all heard, like, each each round that we did, we heard, like, bling. Oh, yeah, yeah. I remember. Weird. Yeah, I mean, this is all kind of like, you know, if you read the books on ceremonial magic, they're pretty boring. I mean, maybe not, but to me, they, they don't really capture 
the kinds of things that you could have happen in in a, in a ritual that's really kind of cool like these weird things do happen even with angels we're not even talking about the other side yet but we're just talking about angel effects that's really what we're going to do for this greater working in the season is just do positive spirits and by positive we mean archangelic up until the point we get out of the archangelic spirits that we can do mm -hmm. and i mean yes physical effects even past the temperature these auditory pieces even in that ritual with the trumpets we had four participants doing invocations and we took a point and andrea was also doing the michael piece and physically people were having very different sensations with each angel being invoked in each corner that the, the temperatures were shifting and even elementally they felt certain i guess you'd say textures in the air that were different too. Yeah. I mean, each planetary energy that we're going to call for can have a massive impact. And we're going to talk about the planet in these kind of terms, what we're talking about now, different stories and kind of in general what they cover, but not necessarily stated in exact rules. And I think there's a lot when you just do the planetary work. I mean, even the original Peter Carroll Chaos Star, that is loosely based off of planet simplification, eight points. I mean, it means more than that. Obviously, it's fiction from the various different novels i forgot the ones but that's where symbol comes from but originally the colors of the chaos are were actually tied to basic planetary energies and the simplification of the planetary energies was the intention so this kind of goes through western almost through every kernel of western magic you know in a lot of, a lot of ways yeah and going through i'm going to call it a journey through the next season which is season four around this each of these planets remember you're getting an introduction a formal introduction through the ritual to the angels and the fans of the energy so yeah. if you're not used to it you've already been imbibed by it so for our sponsors they're getting real truth out of this including they can, as long as they're members they have those rituals to rewatch to keep working on that planetary energy to build up that yeah, it's a jumping off point. Okay, this is a way to put it. Hi, my name is Andrea. Yeah, how are you doing? This is a good conversation. Yeah, and that's very much how it's going to be like uh, for participants in a well, program. That said, I mean, I mean, let's face facts: what ritual could change your life? So, absolutely. Never mind seven or technically what eleven at this point. We're looking at. Yeah, maybe more like fifteen. I don't know. Right, we've like got that. elemental introductions too on top of that. Yeah. We also had odd things, like other odd things, right? Jason, the first time I was working on the different planetary energy for the seven archangels, you remember what happened? That was pretty cool. Okay, so you were laying out a very intricate circle in the garage, which was sealed. Yes, totally sealed. We have to say that so people understand. That garage... Yes, not with the door wide open, let's be clear, but... uh you were laying out the you were laying out a circle and I was helping you lay out the circle and then we got done with that. We put on our robes. You started making the calls. When you started making the calls, both of our robes started going. We had been out there for what? At least, at least two, I think three hours before that. Not not even a draft in the sealed garage. You start making those calls and it starts just it was freaking weird. Yeah. I would say that was a good night at the Apollo. <laughs> yeah, I'd say that was a good night. So, uh, so Maggie just told me we forgot to hermetically seal the garage. Burn. Not as bad as Jason's burns. That was brutal. That, that was brutal. And even that same ritual, that it, the same structure ritual for the planetary seven that Andrea 
formulated. I've seen them do that with seven day candles and it's weird how the wax looks. So he would progressively go through them on different days and some candles would just burn out way before other ones, even though these are much later. And yeah. there's a standard burn that happens with those candles. So when you're starting four days later and that fourth day candle burns faster than the first one, that's physical tangibility is a weird. I mean, technically, I mean, although it was darker, even the, the Corazon ritual we did, which had massive physical effects to the point that people had scratches and stuff like that, was really very classically ceremonially entering the abyss. I mean, obviously it went well enough that multiple people got scratches in the middle of the ritual. We could, I consider that well enough. Other people probably consider that horrifying and crazy, but I mean, you know, whatever. I probably pretty much met my wife through that ritual, whatever, right? <laughs> She moved in soon after. <laughs> Tower, Corazon, it all works out in the end. <laughs> right, right, wife? <laughs> uh, she's probably listening thinking, that's funny. Actually, we should do that ritual again. That was fun. <laughs> you know, it's random space that's away from our house so nothing burns down or anything like that. Yeah. You know, totally fine warehouse space. Yeah, we only do warehouse. Yeah, well, it's COVID, so maybe there's some warehouses not too busy to tell people to stay away and don't, don't listen to screams. Yeah, just put on some uh, heavy surround sound for that. That's what I said. Give me 500 bucks. I'll put on the show. <laughs> Canadian television, you want a show. You know you're still into supernatural shit. We got you. We got you. The last one I did for Canadian television, the producer basically left. She didn't leave, but I had literally, she thought that was this was all bullshit, and she literally left, and I had to sit with her for a half hour, making sure she was okay, and she didn't have a nervous breakdown, because she's like, this shit's real. That's well, for most of the shit, all of us rock. Wow, that's pretty much the truth. You know, that's what every single public ritual should be like, where you just go there, and you're like, this shit's real. Okay, that was nice wishful thinking on my part, but, you know, one can hope. That that wasn't the producer that ended up vomiting black goo during the ritual, is it? No, that was us. That was some of us. No, it was one person, and what they were... That, that was the only person who did that, and what they were vomiting up while they described it was, like, childhood trauma shit that destroyed their whole life, and they're, like, literally so clearly saw it in the where they were throwing up and everything. No one else threw up, just them. But it's a bathroom ritual, so that was a little different. Um, not classical ceremonial magic, but clearly, you know, solve it, Caligula, dissolve and recreate. That had to be dissolved and expunged and then recreated. Yep. I mean, seriously, when I hear this, when I look at most of the, not most of the ceremonial magic, like I, I read it, it's it comes across as so dry. And I think what we were trying to do today is actually say, you know, these experiences we had are anything but dry. Yes, you can cheat a little with the rules, but when you actually go at them, changing the rules enough so that the words and the process doesn't get in the way, you know, real changes can happen. And that, that's kind of why we were yeah. thinking to do this greater planetary thing and in inviting other cool authors who can hang with us at, and maybe we can all get shots of rum, not in person because COVID. You know, and do that. At least for right now, maybe COVID will go away maybe. in the future. Probably not soon. So if you haven't become a sponsor, do become a sponsor to join that whole series. That You're just on the ball of being a sales pitch. I know. It's almost. Jason's got the burns going and you got the sales pitch going. Man, I'm just getting, I don't even know how to deal with it today. You guys are outclassing me. Please. So we're going to be doing Guanyin water puja. Very different than our... Actually, like this is a good thing to... 
if you're a sponsor and even if you're not a sponsor, this is a good example. We did a HOMA two weeks ago, right? We're specifically doing a puja. One uses fire and one uses water to show the difference when you actually... Obviously, this is a Buddhist ceremonial magic. This is the difference between which is the primary element and how it's hitting you. And it makes a big difference. Just that alone, depending on how you're doing the ceremonial magic, you're tying it with different ritual components can have a big difference because the resonance is different. That's one of the points. That's one of the secrets. Like Once you start looking at what is being said and kind of maybe applying, I hate to use the shamanic term because we're not doing magic from Siberia. No, we're not. I mean, that's the correct term for shaman, right? Mm-hmm. As a Ukrainian, can I use the word shaman? Like, oh, you're in the plane still. Yeah, I'm up there. Yeah. Okay, well, maybe I can use the word shaman. But anyway, besides that, you know, I hate to use that, but a more fluid approach to this can sometimes give real meaningful results and real, real lasting changes. And rituals where you could go to a public event and get unbelievably good results from the public event. So hopefully over the next introductions, we will be inspiring people to do exactly that. Even though you have to do stuff online, every time people go do an online ceremonial uh, magic ritual, it'll be one of those things where people walk away, whether or not we do it or not, from the introductions that we cast out there, whether or not we're doing it, that people walk away from that ritual after being inspired by what we're doing to actually go out there and give it all their whole heart and make rituals that create legends in their local area, whatever. That's, that's, we need that now, especially in COVID. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I mean, on that piece, and just really humbling himself on this piece. He is a superb technomancer on that. So when he does rituals, yeah, we're in the space. I've only spent what, like 20 years of my life working with machines and being a computer herder and programming and yeah. I mean, if I hated computers, I would probably be in the wrong field. So there's rituals that have effects, then there's rituals that have technomatic effects on top of real effects. Oh, man. I think I left on a a much better note. Mine was aspirational. I know. Yours is just kind of, eh, kind of, it's like a, you know, almost like a balance conclusion that was like an anti-conclusion. So with that, I'll leave it with the anti-conclusion, right? Unless Jason has something anticlimactic to say. Absolutely not. I think it is time to take a break and get ready for this ritual, right? If you are a sponsor, and if you're not a sponsor, become a sponsor right now. And what we're doing is we are doing a Quinyan Puja, which we're going to use water uh, to pull down the spirit. And also we have gathered the materials from the Homa and created baths out of them to drive fire into water, which we'll talk about in the second part of the show, why we're doing this. And those baths will be available for purchase. And if anyone knows my baths that I do, they're pretty strong. And these have been blessed now four times at every stage, like first a Homa to bring the spirit down here. And now they're being, they were blessed a few times over the weekend. And now we're going to bless them again in the Homa. We're going to bless them again in the Puja, that the bath of self-compassion. We're going to explain why these baths were made from Dahoma first when we come back. So what we're going to do is give us about five minutes for people there. For the people not staying, who are not sponsors, thank you very much for listening. We appreciate it. Zach puts a lot of effort now. I don't have the time, so Zach has a little bit more time. He's doing the sound engineering. We're kind of working it out with him. 
Thanks, Zach. You're the best. And let me stop the Facebook. We love you on Facebook, too, for the couple people watching today. Let us know if Saturday will work better. We can certainly, certainly stop and, and do that. Start talking to everyone about doing it on Saturday.